Hello, sports fans. Welcome to On Taking Pictures. <laughs> How are you? How's the new year? Well, you know, it's it's early, so it could still go either way, but <laughs> it's... Um, I, I should hope it's not bad already. You're just like, oh, crap, we're a day and a half in. I, yeah. You know, Heather, I, Heather and I were raging. walking down the street. I had to drop off laundry, and there was a yoga mat and a yoga block out on the like the street to get thrown out. <laughs> Somebody's already given up. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> I did one session. I'm out. They're nope. like, F this. This it. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I got your downward dog right here, man. <laughs> That's exactly what we said. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I thought, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, you know, I think I'm in shape, and I've decided starting yesterday that I'm going to row a little less, but do other things. Uh, That's a workout good idea. wise. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to row for 20 minutes instead of 40 minutes, and then I'm going to throw in. I'm going to start doing. 50 push-ups a day, 50 squats a day, 50 second planks, like all the trying to keep, you, get a streak going with that stuff. You should, you should maybe uh, lift that camera once in a while. Haha. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> hey, we, we were looking, uh, Adrian and I were looking at our, at our fitness stuff for last year. We, we, we walked, uh, over 2000 miles last year. I would walk 2000 yeah. miles. Right. Well, actually, call back to the proclaimers. That nice. means that you and Fielding each individually walked 500 miles and then walked 500 more. It is true. <laughs> wow. Keep it going. There's, there's one more in there. Make it a trifecta. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I like that song. That song is very catchy. Uh, you, you don't like that yeah. too much for you? No, it was, it's good. You know, I it, yeah, we used to have... Uh, uh, Back in the day, we used to have one-hit wonder parties where people would bring bring their favorite one-hit wonder, and and that's what would get added yeah. to the mix for the evenings the evenings frivolity. And that was often one of the songs. Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, the outfield was in there. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the the, the pole cats. Would you, would you say uh, you know Dexy's Midnight Runners would be? A yeah, one? that would be in there. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, Eben Ozen. You know that one? No, what's A that E I O U and sometimes Y. <laughs> <laughs> Good. People are going to Google this now. Look up a band, <laughs> Eben Ozen, A E I O U and sometimes Y. That was their one song. I don't even know that song. Really? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, look it up. I'm going to Google it. Right. I'm the one Googling, actually. <laughs> my work here is done. So, yes, uh, my year is starting out beautifully. Uh, you know, when at the beginning of the year, especially. New Year's Eve, I sort of, I get a run-up feeling that I want the next year to be, you know, you, you want to get excited for the next year. You know, this next year I'm going to do X differently. You know, all that, not not just New Year's resolutions, but just sort of this general, this is what I'm going to work on next year. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, right? It's yeah, instead of yeah. resolutions, you know, this like, we're going to work on a specific thing. And um I ended up listening to uh, a really great, uh, there's a podcast called Script Notes, which is a, a screenwriting podcast with uh, John August, who wrote Big Fish and a bunch of other stuff, and Craig Mazin, who wrote Chernobyl and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Last um, of Us. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. He's a beast. Yeah. These are serious, serious heavies. 
Um, and last week or two weeks ago, they had Christopher Nolan on. Christopher Nolan. Um, you may have seen. There's a he made a movie. He was a grip on that on that one movie, right? Oh, he, he, uh... What was the movie that he did? <laughs> uh, Einstein. No. In no. inflection. No. no. Wasn't that? Uh, the White Knight. <laughs> Mm, no, uh, that's that's uh, cool that he came on their show, though, right? Yeah, so he came on their show. He's a big guy, that's a big get. Big guy, yeah. But I mean, you know, the guys on the show are big guys, right? So it's well, it's yeah, not yeah. like it's not like one of us interviewing whatever it is. It's like them yeah, interviewing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, Nolan, comes on, and it's just him and John August talking mostly through the process of writing Oppenheimer. Ah, okay. Uh, which is I can't pretty, imagine the amount of research he had to do well, for that flick. Well, that's the thing. So, I mean, mostly it's based on that American Prometheus book, right? right. You know, but then he had to figure out how to have the fission infusion, you know, uh, segments of it, the black and white versus the color, and you know, the fr from from uh, uh, Oppenheimer's point of view, and then the stuff that's happening to him, and you know what I mean, like all all of that right. sort of right. narrative structure, he had to work out, and. Uh, he talks about and it's well, well, well worth a listen. It's about 48 minutes long, but it's really great. Um, and uh, he talks about how the, they did the he wrote the black and white. I think I have this right. The black and white in italics when he wrote it out. Oh, OK. And, and the Just color so he could scan quickly on the page. Yeah. Which I yeah, thought was cool. really clever. And that when you're reading it, you know that this is different than that. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. which was kind of a neat idea. And then he apparently during during COVID, he was writing in a house with his brother was writing upstairs and he was writing downstairs because his brother's also a screenwriter who does stuff with him. Right. Um, and one day he he decided, he, you know, you write the direction, not just the you know dialogue, but then there's the, you know, location and direction of, you know, what's going on and w describing the scene and all this and most people who read scripts just sort of keep jumping to the dialogue and skip the direction, which is actually often really important. And Nolan was sitting there one day and decided to write the direction in Oppenheimer movie in the first person. Mm. Camera opens on my face. Blah, blah, Interesting. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, as my eyes open, I see... That that kind Interesting. of thing. Not the not the first person of the viewer, the first person of Oppenheimer. Right, 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 right. right. And I, I thought that, it, and apparently he brought it upstairs, and he's just like, you know, sometimes my brother and I do sort of a gut check kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, does I this said, work? Yeah, just just read this. This is, you know, am I off? Am I off the reservation here? And the guy said, I think you finally found a way to get people to read stage direction. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and. And he was talking about all these like different things. And the one thing I wanted to bring up here <coughs> that I thought was interesting for our purposes was they were talking about holding on to inspiration. Mm. When you feel inspired and either you don't want to or can't work on something right then, how, how do you hold on to that? You know, how do you how do you keep the sense of a whole movie while writing for six months, you know what I mean? How do you keep the same yeah, right. feeling? Right. You know? And one of the things that both of them did was use music that they would listen to certain music when they were working on certain parts of the, 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 mm. the screenplay. Like they'd come up mm -hmm. with a playlist for the movie basically to 
keep track of sort of how they wanted it to feel at any given moment. Right. And because music can snap you back into, you know, you listen to a song from your, you know, a date with your first girlfriend or something like that. And you kind of snap back into that. Music is really useful to, for them to snap back into how it felt when they were writing the scene because they can go back to the memory of writing that scene the first time when they listened to that song again. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and one other thing Christopher Nolan said was that he has. It's he said here's here's a tip for you. He said if you feel like you are inspired, go do it right now because you think it'll still be there tomorrow yeah it won't and it It won't won't. and so i thought it would be interesting to hear what you thought about that idea and how you deal with all of that i I just thought it was an interesting topic as someone who is bombarded with ideas all the time Mm -hmm. i i can absolutely agree with that i can absolutely agree that and i do it all the time i i you know it's i get so many ideas it'll be back again it'll come around yeah and it doesn't and while I don't do, you know, uh, 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 not revelations, because I do those, uh, <laughs> resolutions, resolutions. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the ideas, one of the, 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 the things that I, I do want to do is journal more and have something with me. You know, Adrian has said this for years that you need to carry a field notes journal with you at all times and just jot down whatever it is. Even if, even if that's your sketch journal and then you transfer it to, you know, a proper quote unquote journal, uh, later on, you need to have something with you all the time because she's like, I've seen it happen over and over and over again, where you get an idea and you'll either, I'll do it later. Or you'll ask me, you know, remind me to do this. Of course, I'm not going to remember. It's not my job. And, and you know, it's unfair to even ask somebody to remind you to do something X, Y, Z. So uh, I can definitely relate to that. And it is something that I want to get better about because I feel like I have left so many ideas uh, out in the ether where they may come back, but they most likely will not, you know, even to the point where, where it, over the last couple of weeks, um, there have been a couple of times where I've asked Adrian, I was like, Hey, can we just sit down and remind me of all of the things that, that you have said that I should be doing or, or, you know, things <laughs> that I've talked about. Do you, do you remember, do you remember any of these things? And let's compare it to the things that I remember just so I can have a more complete list. You're, you're, you're asking her to remind you about the things she was going to tell you to do to remind yourself. <laughs> is that what I'm gathering well, from this? Say, okay. So this is not one of the good ideas, but it is, you know, <laughs> it, it is an idea. Uh, but I can, yeah, I can absolutely, you know, wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment of, of, of either do the thing now yep. that you're inspired to do, or if you're not in a way, if you're not in a, a place where you can do it, write it down, do a voice memo, something to get it down so that you can come back to it because it, it just by and large, it will not be there again. So why, why is it that you haven't been doing that? What's keeping you from carrying a field notes journal or opening up, having the button on your phone oh, automatically well, go into voice recording or notes in the in the iOS or whatever? I've been better about the voice recording. The notes thing, it's, you know, it's, it's still that same kind of, I don't want to mess this thing up. I don't want to write down the wrong thing. I don't, like all that kind of garbage that, that, that keeps bouncing around. But, you know, with the number of empty field notes, journals that i've accumulated over the years it shouldn't be a problem <laughs> you got enough for the God, rest of your bro. life i've got dozens 
dozens that are still in the shrink wrap. I haven't even opened them yet. I okay, just keep just buying them. Cr- just reach over and crack one of those open right now, <laughs> like a beer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I can completely relate to that. I mean, we've, you and I have talked about this a little bit. You, what's your solution? I mean, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of when you get inspired, you, you might be, and this is just one example, you might yep. be in a museum yep. looking at a painting that inspires you to go take a picture, but you don't have your camera with you. You don't have a subject. So what do you do to keep that thing going until you can get to your equipment? Uh, when it comes to say paintings and museums, I take pictures of them. Uh, I'll definitely do that and take pictures of things. And then I will, I have a folder of sort of paintings, which whose compositions I really like, or, you know, something Mm -hmm, about them, mm -hmm. uh, inspires me. I have a big inspiration folder when it comes to photographs that I see, um, Mm. where it's like, if I see something in a magazine, 99% of them are portraits, but it's sort of, you know, wow, that's a really nice shot of so-and-so. Let me throw that in here just in case I ever need ideas, you know, of, of how to do things. Yeah. 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 Th- that do you store I store like on have. Dropbox or something. So I it's have them on Dropbox. Anywhere? Yep. Yeah. Have, yeah. Okay. In fact, okay. I have them on Dropbox and I think I have Dropbox syncing to my phone with a star, which I think means it keeps it local. So if I don't hmm. have access, cause you know, if you're going through a folder of 400 images on Dropbox over the wet, you know, over the air, right. That could be pretty slow. Right. Um, so I think I actually have those locally to my machine just so I could flip through them when I'm when I'm bored uh, occasionally. Um, I keep I started doing reminders in iOS uh, last year, I think, mm-hmm. where I have uh, I'm just looking at my list now. I have um, <clears throat> I have a to be I have a TBD. I have a to be done list. And a lot of this is, you know, just random people I need to contact or things I wanted to do or emails I needed to send, you know, that kind of stuff. Some of the stuff is stuff that has been on there a long time. And some of the stuff is like I put on and take off and I have to go through it. In fact, I'm going to start using that more more, uh, standardly going forward. Uh, I have quotes and big ideas. So these are like things that somebody says, you know, for example, in here, interestingly enough, is never save a good idea. George Martin. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, or, or, or Paul McCartney to wander, to wander aimlessly is very unswinging. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then do you, you just keep these as a running list? There's not a due date necessarily no, no. So, as, so, associated yeah. with them. So this is quotes and big ideas. I write down little chunks of dreams that I have when I wake up sometimes, if it's something I want to remember for therapy mm-hmm. or just, you know, like random, maybe quasi memories of my childhood, you know, stuff that I don't really think about a lot, but it's a feeling, which is always in their own unique list. Or is it one big master list? All unique lists. And, uh, you know, uh, I have one there, it's character names. So it's Mm -hmm. when I see a name, this app, if somebody else says somebody's name in real life, or if I were walking through the cemetery and I see a name, for example, yes, yesterday, there was a guy in the cemetery we took a walk, and the guy's name was Theophile Kick. Theophile a, Kick. Yeah. That's a great name. Uh, Abigail Etten, Willard mm. Daniels, Puffin Asquith, Fanny Hess, Titus Powers, Emma Overton. So I keep, I Titus keep all- Titus Powers. That's great. Yeah. So I keep all these names, and sometimes it ends up being the first name of one, the second name of another. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure, if I just- sure, if I sure, just, sure. But these are just- Name, like, in fact, it's funny in here is John Whitaker Acton and the the guy in my current one I'm working on is called James Acton. So I totally stole that guy's name for this. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I have a thing of marketing ideas. I have a list of things I want to do. I have shoot ideas now. And and 
so yes, these things are in here. Um, I also keep. Uh, I kind of love that. I've also been using Notes in iOS. Yeah. Um, Surprisingly capable app, especially the the newer oh, it's gotten, versions. It's gotten great. Like yeah. I don't know why you would bother if you're an Apple centric person. I don't know why you would bother using any of the other ones unless you needed something very specialized. Because this is pretty good, and I don't even. You can drag and drop images into here. I don't even do that most of the time. Although, yeah. you know, funny enough, uh, one of my shoot ideas things I put in here the other day, um, I, 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 you can add, you can clip a picture in there too. And mm-hmm. there was a thing at the um, Ed Ruscha show where he had blank boxes, like blank rectangles on his paintings that he called redactions. So it's like mm. a white redacted area, but I think it's just mm-hmm. that he never painted there. He, you know, taped it off and he, 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 something along the lines of like, he, he likes them on there. Cause it makes, it gives you somewhere to put your thoughts onto the painting. Huh. Your thoughts like, about a, the painting. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which is, but I wanted to remember that. So I wrote redactions and I took a picture of one of them just to remind me that that was a neat idea to, to, to play with. Um, yeah. In my notes, I have a thing called rom-com changes, and it's just a running list of things. So if I'm walking around, I go, oh, no, 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 no. He needs to buy the coffee before she does because whatever. Okay, and I'll I'll, I'll write down James buys coffee before Ophelia. You know what I mean? Just so when I come back oh, and smoke, I look through this so list. So that's specific to a particular that's project you're working on. specific to a particular project. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So, gotcha. I mean, th- I'm just trying to throw out some random things. But, th- yeah, these are these are the things I do. I have a... I, I'm planning a new conceptual series of photographs. So I have a list of like people. These are all people who I either want to get in there or have already uh, um, volunteered, you know, locations, props, inspiration, ideas, you know, so I have like random things that I've written down. I'm trying to be better at all this stuff because, you know, going back to Nolan for a minute, you know, he even says, he's like, I overwrite. He's just mm. like, I, it's stream of consciousness. I write whatever I can to get it down and then I edit. It's, you know, he says, it's not, I'm not worried about what it is when I first, you know, blurt it out. And this is something almost everyone says, right? Especially in writing, just get it on the page. Right. Right. You know, oh, write too much. That's fine. You can take care of it later. Don't even worry about writing it perfectly. I don't know what this guy says. Guy mumbles, says you're a jerk. Next line. You know what I'm saying? Because you can always go back to it. I remember uh, the, uh, the the that um, interview show, uh, the um, movie about Stallone, Sly, you know, that's on uh, right, right, Netflix right, right, or whatever. Right. I mean, he's talking. He's just like, when well, I sit down, I write the movie. Um, he's just like, I just get as much out as I can. He goes, if it's it's terrible, at least I have a structure I can build on, you know. Right. Um, and so I'm trying to be better about just throwing things down. However... Um, I will sometimes go back to say the changes that I was talking about, uh, and say the script, right. And I'll, and I'll have these, I'll have these little notes written down, but even if I go back and I read the three or four note changes that I thought made sense in the moment that I had the inspiration for some sort of change in the arc that I was trying to explain or had figured out, like the puzzle pieces clicked into place like Tetris, and then I was like, oh, I see how they're clicked into place. Okay, red one on the right to the right. And I write that down. I come back later and I go, red one on the right. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> right? Right. So the inspiration sometimes needs a little more context so that you can, yes. you, can't just, you can't just go X. There has to be the rest of the equation. Yeah, because sometimes writing it down isn't enough. 
right? Sometimes yeah. writing it down it's, it, that that what you thought would remind you of the exact feeling you were thinking or the thing that inspires you, you know, writing down a sentence or a few things or drawing a little picture, maybe that doesn't quite encompass whatever the thought cloud was in your mind. Right, 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 right. And that's what it feels like. It feels like a cloud, right? It's like this nebulous thing. It's like, oh, I know what this is. I can, I can, I can, I can turn this into a shape. It's like, no, you can't. That's just, it's, it's a, it's, it's a cloud. It's just a blob. Yeah. And sometimes I find it hard to hold on to that blob. Yeah. And I think Nolan's right where to say that basically, you know what, if it's three in the morning, you come up with it, get up and pick up your thing and do it. Yeah. Cause it's not going to be the same tomorrow. And maybe this thing you had tonight was really good. I don't yeah. know. What do you I think? Mean, of that? I, no, I think, I think you're, you're, you're exactly right. And it's, again, it's something that I've, I've told myself and have been told for years that, you know, you need to have a way to record something, whether that's analog, whether it's digital, whether it's, you know, image-based audio, it doesn't matter. Just everywhere you are, there has to be a way to record something because you, you, you do this time and time again, I'll get to it later and, and it doesn't happen. But don't you don't you feel like you're risk to be that guy in the movie who's always got like a little personal recorder in his hand and you know Yeah, uh, but but then no, what no what could self. come of that? What could come of that? Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm Billy Blazejowski from uh, Night Shift, you yeah. know. Note to Bill. Yeah. Edible yeah. paper. Yeah. You just yeah. eat it. It's gone. It's out of there. Right, that kind of thing. Where yeah. you, you end up being that guy. It, it, I think the 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 risk is is that you become the guy with the notes. And the notes, but I, maybe I it's think own I'm, project, which is a problem. Yes. And I think at this point in my life, I'd rather start trying to be that guy because I've been this guy <laughs> for years. And, and you know, <laughs> and all like, that entails. Like, this guy is not working. So well, let's, on, let's on, try the other on, thing. On several levels, that's exactly right. This guy doesn't, the way this guy moves through the world works on some level, but the way he moves through the world on other levels doesn't. And it's, it's the, it's that fear of changing. Like I know, I know what I'm doing right now doesn't always work, but it works enough. Right. Yeah. It, and if I change something, is it going to break what's been working for a while? Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more easily able to see the potential downside than the potential upside. Maybe your mind needs more scaffolding. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just a, I think there's, and, and once you get into it, once you get into doing that, I think the value in the repetition of doing it yields its own, um, rewards, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I was watching, uh, are you a fan of King Crimson? Were you as a musician, were you I ever mean, a fan uh, of King Crimson? Uh, I was never a big listener, but yes, I know of them. Okay. So there's a, there's a documentary called in the court of the Crimson King, King Crimson at 50. Okay. And it's, uh, I just started watching it. It's somebody recommended it and I can't remember who recommended it. It was a listener. I believe, I don't think it was Tom in Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, listener, whoever you are, please reach out and, and let me know who, who recommended it because I, I can't remember. And I, <laughs> I didn't write it down. Um, <laughs> but, but one of the things that I found really fascinating about this movie is, um, Robert Fripp still practices like four to six hours a day, every single day. Right. He's playing guitar every day. 
and, and, you know, arguably one of the great guitarists of all time. And he will tell you it's because I practice all the time. He, he, he references some other musician, uh, Casal. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Anyway. Um, and, and he said at, at 80 something years old, he was still practicing all the time. And, and somebody asked him, why do you still practice at 80 something years old? And he says, because I think I'm getting better. Yeah. 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 And, and I just thought that was really interesting, even to the point where, where Fripp says to the, the interviewer, he's like, you know, even, even talking to you these past few days has, Im- has impeded how much I practice and has affected my playing. Oh, that's you know, interesting. Like he's on that high of a level where even letting letting off the gas, you're going backwards a little bit. Yeah. And and the guy asked him, well, why why don't you just take a break? Why don't you just miss a day? And he's like, it, it, like the, the look on his face, it was like he didn't even understand the question. He's like, would you say that to a world-class athlete? Right. Like, why right. don't you just, you know, why don't you just miss a day and not run or not jump or whatever it is? Yeah. It's it affects your performance and we are playing at such a high level. The things that we are playing are so complicated to play. I have to practice in order to just be good, let alone be great. I, okay. I totally agree with that. Can I just take a left tangent for two seconds? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And, and I want to get back to exactly what he's saying, but do you wonder if maybe that is, while he may think that that is true, it's as much of it is, is this obsessive thing of, I don't want to stop because I don't want to know what happens if I stop. Well, that's a great question. Right. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm I felt this way when it. I do my daily things where it's like, I can't, I can't take today off. I done this for 700 days straight. Yeah. I would love to hear that question put to him in exactly that way. Like what are, are you are you afraid that if you if you let off the gas you won't you won't ever be able to find that groove again? Like you right. have to stay in the groove? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's 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 one end of the spectrum of of do it now, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I totally get that. Um you also have to imagine that someone who plays that much is not just playing to stay sharp. They are as much playing because they love playing. I, I would hope so. I mean, I think so. I mean, he even he even practices after a gig. He'll go back to the hotel room and spend hours practicing. Yeah. You know, and and they asked him, like, what what's, you know, one of the questions, I don't remember the exact question, but, you know, what comes out of that other than, you know, the, the repetition? He said, well, like, like over the past couple of days, I've changed my fingering on on this part of this song. I've changed my fingering in the way I play it. Now, will anybody in the audience notice that? No, but they might in a year because through this change, my music is going to start to change. The The way I play moving forward will start to change and that's going to affect what and how I play from now on. So, so there is this constant exploration for him. It's not just refinement sure. and it's not just repetition to get it right. It's, it's how can this be better? How can it be more efficient? How can, you know, like, there are all these questions that are being answered. It's not just repetitive practice. Do you think it's enough that he thinks that it makes a difference whether or not anyone else would ever notice? Yes. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Um, because he, I get the feeling that as, as, as much as he loves having an audience and having an audience allows him to have this living that, that he has, 
he's doing it for him. This, sure. this is, this is, you know, and, and even some of the other musicians in, in the band and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a revolving kind of lineup over the years. He's been the only constant since 1969. Sure. Uh, everybody else has kind of come in and, and they, they interviewed Bill Bruford. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Bill's like, you know, this, this band is kind of all about change, you know, and all about evolution because without it, you're the moody blues. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. Ow. I like the moody blues, but I kind of get what he's saying. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, one of the other musicians was like, you know, Robert comes in and says, here's what I'm playing. What are you going to do? Like he, he is, his way is the driving way. And, right. and it is up to everyone to sort of rise to his standard. And, you know, is that the right way? I don't know if it's the right way, but it's his right way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that you could equally find as many amazing high level musicians who don't play five hours a day anymore, who are still playing at the highest yeah. levels. Well, this and that is, was this one... is his mode of working. Yes. And that was one of the other things that Bruford was saying. He's like, you know, at, at one point in the eighties, there were two Americans and two Brits and, you know, the Brits, we were talking about, you know, politics and world events and, and very serious, heady things. And, you know, the Americans were off, you know, shopping and having burgers. It was Tony Levin and, and Adrian Ballou. Sure. And, uh, you know, but when it came time to play the music, they just absolutely ripped it up. They, it it didn't matter. Like we thought it mattered. Like we were, we were doing this high level thinking and they were just off being tourists. But when, when the lights went on and the curtain came up, they just killed it because they understood the music. So it, there, there is no, I think what he was trying to say is, is there are other ways to get there, but, but for Robert, there is his way and that's it. Yes. Yeah. But do you think that Robert would say that his way is the way that other people should be? Uh, I think so. I, th I right. think that's, I think that's one of the reasons that there's been such a revolving lineup in the band or it's, it, that's the way it's being presented in the documentary is that people get fed up with him. Basically. Yeah. He even <laughs> says that, that this is the, this is the first time in this, in this band that there hasn't been at least one person that despises my existence, you know, that, that they've all accepted and on some level that this is this is his project that you happen to be a part of yes well i think it and probably it feels that way now cuz he's the one surviving old timer right yeah sure 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 yeah i mean it's like oh i'm joining the beatles and the only one left is ringo it's like well i guess yeah. ringo says what goes but it's uh, interesting that for him his way is the way to get there yet these other musicians who don't no disrespect to them, but they don't practice nearly as much as he does. Sure. But there they are on stage meeting him note for note every night. Sure. So there, there, there is another way to do it. It's, it's, it's really just a matter of finding that way. Yeah. So maybe, maybe changing, changing the fingering of something you've been playing for 20 years to, and thinking that that is the thing that you needed to unlock to move forward is just a good excuse. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it is it the thing that's going to move you forward or have you or maybe have that's you convinced yourself that's that it's the, the myth thing you that's need to believe? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's I think we can apply that to, gosh, any and any, any sort of certainly creative endeavor. You know, how many sure. people use, you know, certain 
brushes or I have to use this body and lens combo or I have to use this film stock or like if I don't, uh, I'm lost. I, sure. I can't do my thing, whatever it is. I have to wear these socks to, you know, you know, score 100 points or whatever it is. Yeah, Jerry Lewis uh, wearing a new pair of socks every day. Right, right. Yeah, it's um, and that's interesting. He, uh, I sorry, moved my mic. Um, man, there's something about the 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 way he must have always been like that. I sometimes I wonder if at the beginning of New Year's and stuff like we've been saying, you you try to make changes. A lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you hear, oh, well, Robert Fripp does this this way. Well, I'm, maybe I should start doing what he's doing because he seems to be successful doing it that way. You know, I am not the the most tidy person on my desk. I'm one of those people with lots of stuff on my desk. My desk isn't perfect all the time. Right. Sometimes I clean it off and it ends up being close to perfect. But usually that involves just putting all these things in a box and sticking that box on the shelf and then taking that box down when I need something out of it. And now the stuff's all over my desk again. Part of me says, oh, I need to get a nice little cabinet so I can put all these doodads in the cabinet so that they're not on my desk. But invariably, I think the the cabinet would be a mess and my desk would be a mess in that situation. It wouldn't actually help. You know, I'd just be kicking the can down the road. I wonder if there is just the way that people are and that trying to change ourselves is wasted energy. And I'm not saying that, that, that I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is that, that we should rather use that energy to lean into the way we are rather than try to change the way we are. I don't mind the idea of change. No, I don't mind the idea of change. I think change organically happening, but I think that if, if, if we said, if, if I said to you, Jeffrey, my way of working, which is becoming obsessive and doing a thing for three years straight every single day works for me. So now you need to do a painting every single day for three years because that'll right, work for right, you. Right, right. And you saying, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to start doing that. I wonder if that would even work because that's just not the way you think. I don't think it would. I, right. mean, I think that it gets us back to what we were talking about the other day on the show is is like we don't we don't need another X. We don't need another Robert Fripp. Right. Yeah. And 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 what works for him is is born out of his life experience, maybe his parents, maybe right. his family friends, like the dog, I, whatever it is. When he was six, his mother yelled at him about something and he became yeah. sat in his guitar and played with his guitar. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what it was. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, but and if you get there organically, that's that's one thing. Uh, I, I think if you get there organically, there's there's a, a greater chance that whatever that change is, it, it has a better chance of sticking than if you just go, oh, well, you know, Bill does it in this order um, and, and and uses this kind of modifier and, and puts his modifier at this distance from the subject. And uh, so sure. I'm going to do that. Yep. Why don't my photos look like Bill's? Well, because you're not Bill. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. the short answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um yeah, I think organic change is always going to be better than than sort of uh, scripted change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that organic change is unconscious, subconscious. You know, is not organic change happens to you. You don't make it happen. Yeah, but it's it's hard, right? Because you have to you have to get there. 
Well, because we have a time you know? limit. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you told me, you know, you're using, you, you, you looked at these photos that I, that I showed you the other day and went, well, you know, you, you said, gosh, you said something so great. I was, I was so happy with, and it, it, you probably didn't even give it a second thought. You said, oh, it looks like window light. And it was just this casual kind of comment. And I just went, oh, it does, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, because I don't really know what I'm doing, but yeah. the fact that, that just in, in tweaking some things and, and making a couple little, you know, making some choices, because that's what it's about, making choices, right? Sure. I made this choice that ended up with something that looked pleasant to me. But then when you look at it and go, oh, yeah, it looks like window light. But it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I get, I get all excited because I managed to do something. Now, the, 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 the hard part is to not go, okay, well, this looks like window light and window light's good, right? Window light equals good. So I'm going to do every single photo from here on out just like this because window light equals good. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because what was good about one thing doesn't mean that it's going to work all the time. Exactly. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. You, you saying the thing about us making the, the, the idea that Fripp, you know, had some crazy thing in his childhood and whatever. It just, it made me think of that all... All of our processes, your process is like a fingerprint, right? Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an organic thing that grew out of your life up till now. Um, that, that sort of is, is prescribed by all the things that have happened to you. And it, it's, you know, how, how you came upon the way that you work is, is, is material to all of the things that ever happened to you in a lot of ways. Which is which shows you that, that yeah. Which which shows you that you know you couldn't work like me and I couldn't work like you. Right. It's just it's because I'm not you and you're not me. But um, we try and convince ourselves that we can because we see the results of other people's process and we go, I want those results. Well, and I think that that's where mimicry is useful because it's never going to be a perfect copyright, like we said. But you can. But it's but learning all of those sort of. Uh, I don't know. I just, it's, it's like a, a um, osmosis, right? It's like, Oh, I'm mm. going to do something similar and, and that's going to take me into a new area. So sometimes that can be useful as a way to sort of spur evolution. Um, but it's, but it's never going to go the direction you want it to go. It's going to go in the direction it needs to go. Right. And, right, and, right, right. and that's great too. It's, it's, I, you know, process is so interesting. You know, Nolan said, one of the other things he said was interesting. He said, because I'm a writer director, I overwrite and then I edit on the page and then I overshoot and I edit in the, mm. so it's like, he's like, I have two, I have two times that I can overdo it and then edit back down, but they are not parallel, but not serial processes. You know what I mean? Cause I'm, I'm mm -hmm, making mm -hmm. changes to the screenplay as I'm shooting. So I'll hand somebody new pages the next day after I'll sit down during lunch and hand somebody something different to do in the afternoon. But that to him, they are, they are the same, but different. You know what I'm saying? Does he, like, does he write everything that he shoots? Is he, is he the author? I of, think he of, is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if he would be, I wonder if he would work the same way with an adapted screenplay. If it was somebody else's words and, and story, would he be as, yeah, as I don't likely know. to edit in the same way as, as he does with his own work? Yeah. And, and he even says that, you know, sometimes they'll be shooting and it'll, you know, make him think about something they want to change the next day. He's, I think at one point he says, you know, we flipped the truck in Dark Knight. 
He's just like, and I was just like, okay, we have a break. And I, oh, I, I want to change the thing that we're shooting next. And he went and sat down like, as they did this crazy stunt, they finished it. And he's like, oh, that makes me think about X, Y, Z that I'm going to change. Um, hmm. Which is just a crazy way of, of looking at things. I don't know. It's just the whole, the one thing that I like about the times that I get obsessed with making work, whether it's good or bad, is that I, I never feel bad after making work. Yeah. I never do. Do you, do you think there's okay? More is going to be a loaded a loaded question, but do you think there's more value yeah. in being able to adapt on the fly rather than let's let's say you go in uh, you go into a shoot and you've got it all planned out versus and, being Fincher who has every single shot laid out and that's how he's going to shoot it. Yes. Yeah. Are you able, there's, there's a, oh God, who tells the story? I don't remember who tells the story, but it's, it's a, a story of a, a saving private Ryan where yeah. Spielberg had this whole, this whole scene blocked out and they knew how they were going to shoot it and where the camera is going to be and everything. And, and they get there and the sun, they didn't account for the position of the sun mm. and, and the sun was in the wrong place. And, and he was like, all right, wait a minute. Just give me a minute. And he went for like a five minute walk and he came back and he went, okay, I know how we're going to do it. And boom, they, they, they switched everything up and, and made the shot. That story right there, by the way, is why I love Spielberg, but we'll get back. To yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think people like that is, is there, is there more value in being able to see what's not working and adapt or versus towing the line, sticking the path and, and just working through it and you get what you get. Um, for you, for me, uh, I'd rather be the, uh, I'd rather be the one who was light on their feet. Um, yeah. I think partly because the way that I shoot portraits, I rarely have a hundred percent control. Mm. You know, if I'm shooting something for almost any client, it's in a place that I've never been and I don't know what I'm going to be walking into and I have to make something out of what's there. Mm -hmm. So it's constant, just sort of adaptation. I'm not bringing a specific backdrop with specific lights and having it all laid out. And it's exactly how I laid it out in my studio before. And I set the lights up and I turn them to that knob and you know what I mean? Everything right. just comes out. The or way just being able to, to pre-vis and visit the location beforehand and then yeah. go home and think about it and yeah. go, okay, now I know what I'm going to do. And even, yeah. and yeah. even the times when I do get to do that and, or I have, you know, some, a pre-light day, which is crazy by the way, for those of you who don't do this for a living or have never done this kind of stuff before, there are times on commercial shoots where, I'm shooting on Tuesday and on Monday I get to go in and set up lights and just play and get it all so that on Tuesday morning it's all ready to go. But let me tell right. you something on Tuesday morning, it's still never ready to go because <laughs> right. you put the real person in there and you take a picture and you say, ah, no, that's not working because their hair is lighter than the person I had sitting mm -hmm. in the day mm -hmm. before or their clothes are darker or, 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 or. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're always constantly fidgeting and being able to make those decisions in real time is uh necessary i i personally i would say yes it's uh, uh the adaptation gene is far more useful because the world is not a static place you know mm -hmm. i mean in even in in the paintings that you do you do have in some ways you have more control than i have in general because it's just you. You don't have to worry about the other person. 
It's in your studio. You're using your materials. Yes, the material might not flow the way you wanted it to or not dry the way you wanted it to or, you know, the printout when it got wet did something weird or, you know what I mean? Like all of those kinds of elements. All of those things happen every time. Yep. But to some extent, those things are what make your work your work is sort of those unknowns, right? Those, those things you can't control. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, I was watching this terrible Christmas movie on the rower yesterday called 12 Dates of Christmas with with Amy Smart and Mark Paul Gossler. Is that the guy's name? Mark Paul Gossler uh, uh, from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And uh, she what, was, go- what was the name of his band on Saved by the Bell? I don't know. What was it? Zack Attack. <laughs> of course it was. Uh, was A.C. Slater in the band or? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course okay. he was. Okay. Of course he was. Um, uh, what I was going to say is that in the movie, there's a part where, you know, she's kind of a Groundhog Day thing and she's going through the same day over and over again. And she befriends her neighbor on one of these things, her neighbor that was annoying her all before she decides to lean into it instead of spurning the neighbor. And mm. so this old lady lets her into the house and she's like, oh, my God, I love your apartment and everything. And I love your art. And she goes, oh, it's all I started collecting years ago. And yes, that's a real Rauschenberg. <laughs> it's one of the I'm lines sorry. in the movie. <laughs> Sorry. What? I thought that you'd like that. I just, it was just uh, funny that it now was... I have to watch it just for that. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, a great movie, but it's actually pretty cute. Um, anyway, uh, uh, but, but, but all of those things are the things that make th- those unknowns are, are the, are the, are the sparkle that, that makes your stuff. Cause you're not a perfectionist artist, right? You know, you're not trying to make things pixel perfect to the, whatever it is. The process is part of the result. Well, I'm, I'm trying, but it never happens. Yeah. But, but I mean, I, it would never happen for anyone working in the physical world, right? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, yes, I don't, I don't know that I could ever be a Fincher-esque person. Although it's funny because the, uh, the other day I was thinking about things to do this year that I should do. And one of them was to take a scene from each of the scripts that I've written and actually shoot them as like a a reel. Um, that would be really cool. Yeah, Why not? So, so, well, wait, as, as video or video, like, a, like you're, you're your own on set, on set photographer. No, like, uh, I am going to film, I'm going to direct three scenes, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, a scene from mm-hmm. each movie and then have them as like both a directing reel and as a, uh, uh, screenwriting reel mostly mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. like, look, look, these scenes work in real life, you know, not just on the page. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, but I mean, the, 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 why not is the, you know, I'd have to pay actors and get locations and do, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's an affair and an out of pocket affair. You could sell the Fuji and probably cover it. Uh, I'm staring at it right now as you speak and I'm about <laughs> to put it up for sale. Um, it's, it's glaring back at you. Yeah, it Go is. ahead, Bill. The back it. of it. Go it's ahead. just, it's like, it's butt is looking at me going and it looks over its shoulder <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> It, it looks over its shoulder, <laughs> all cheeky. Yeah. What are you yeah. gonna do, Wadman? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Sell me? <laughs> yeah, I am. You need me, Wadman. Stupid <laughs> autofocus button where it shouldn't be. Uh, I never liked your mother. Um, oh my God. Uh, but, <laughs> what was I saying? I was saying something useful before you. Uh, oh, making the movie derailed us. Uh, making, De- making, 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 shooting scenes. these scenes. Yeah as, yeah. as, as something I, I, uh, wanted to do. Wait, there was a point to this whole story. Uh, the adaptation, the control. Oh, that I was going to, I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe I should really sort of, uh, even though they're mostly dialogue heavy scenes, I probably should 
uh, storyboard them. Like, like really figure out my shots before I start so that when I actually want to do it, I can just do it faster. Um, and so if, if that's the way you would work as a filmmaker, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't know. I've made a few shorts, but I've never gotten to that level. Maybe I should try that is my point. And, right, and, right, right, right. and of course adapt if it doesn't work. Uh, but maybe it will work and maybe it'll make me faster because there are times when you're on set, you're like, Oh, how do I want to do this? It's like, no, at least as, as my friend Angus used to say, uh, you know, uh, 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 fail to plan, plan, or, uh, uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you can do something different, but have a plan going in, you know, the, the, the plan will never survive the battle, but you need to have a plan going into battle or else you're really screwed. Um, and so I was thinking of doing, I got to figure out cause I can't draw. I got to figure out how I'm going to, to, to do this, but, but it was sort of a new idea of mine that I'm going to start playing with, um, is doing, doing these, uh, storyboards, Mm -hmm. which, May, to your point, though, lead to, oh, this would be a really great photograph. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, it, I mean, the two look, can cross pollinate. They can. And, and as just speaking as a fan, I love on set photography. I love it. Yeah, I love cool it stuff. as a as a genre. I, I love seeing little moments of of a film, especially if I if I know and like the film. Mm hmm. And and it and it brings back the the memory of of watching the film. I love on set photography. Yeah, yeah, and, and especially when you get a little behind the scenes too, where it's like, yeah. oh, that's not in the movie. Oh, look, mm -hmm. you can see the edge of the set there. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a, a that has must have been made easier over these past few years, where cameras, you know, with global shutters, um, <laughs> don't make any noise when they take a picture. Wait, what's that? Global shutter. I didn't, okay. I didn't even hear it. I didn't hear it. What, oh my God. Sure? That picture must be amazing. Cause I couldn't I think hear the so. shutter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, th that's, it's, it's, there's a lot in there, but it's, a uh, interesting stuff. Hey, there's a New York times article, you know, per our crazy AI conversation last week, <laughs> right. you remember our AI conversation last <laughs> week, there was a guy in the New York Times, uh, named uh, Jason Farrago. He's a critic at large for the New York Times. Writes about culture mm -hmm. and art. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote an article uh, or an essay uh, entitled AI Art. AI can make art that feels human. Whose fault is that? A fake Drake weekend mashup is not a threat to our species' culture. It's a warning. We can't let our imagination shrink to machine size. And he says, it's really interesting. He says, uh, I'm going to quote a couple of things and then I'll, then I'll ask your thoughts. Uh, figures that have uh, wax fruit skin, deeply set eyes of a video game characters. They also often have 10 fingers, although it's let's hold out for a software update. There's little I'd call human here. And any one of these AI pictures on its own is an aesthetic irrelevance. But collectively, they do signal a hazard that we are already facing, the devaluation and trivialization of culture into just one more flavor of data. Is what it says, right? Which I think is right up your alley. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. look, there, there, there's a line in uh, uh, a film called Kodachrome, which is, yeah. uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Ed Harris, yep. who I love, we love. Yep. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, yep. I yep. think yep. is the son. Yep, it is. Uh, and, and, he's, and, and Ed Harris' Currently character on plays. in America. It's a great flick. I, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, uh, Ed Harris plays a photographer and he's talking about you know, the fact that there's this whole speech about nobody, you know, nobody shoots slides anymore. Nobody prints. It's all yep. just data. Yep. 
And, and I think he calls it digital dust. Yeah. And I think there's something so powerful about that. And when you, when you look at, uh, you, you ever go to a site called art news? Uh, yes, sure. Okay. So art news is one of the sites that I read every day. And, and a couple of days ago, I think it was a couple of days ago, they posted their roundup of the, uh, the most expensive works sold over the past year. Sure. Uh, and, and not surprisingly, fan favorite Pablo Picasso tops the list. $139 million for one Ooh. painting, right? Uh, the, the number two, and this I think is, is kind of interesting. Number two is Gustav Klimt, $50 million less. So there's a $50 million gap between number one and number two. Also, uh, by the way, a painting from 1970. And then a painting, right. for, the next one's a Monet from 1919. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Point is, all of these things, you know, they're analog, are we ever going to see digital works? We talk about people sold his stuff for sixty million dollars. Yeah, but it wasn't one. It was it, sixty nine million. It wasn't wasn't. And it one wasn't. Piece. It was basically to a. It was all basically a big sham to build a thing to sell NFTs. Whatever. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm I'm still holding on to analog. I'm still holding yeah, on yeah. to work that was created by people who know heartache, who know success, who know failure, who know love, who know hate, anger, fear, envy, yep. all of those things that make us human. I still am hopeful that that's that, that this is just a phase that this AI thing in terms of uh, art anyway is is some like NFTs that you just mentioned. I hope it's just a phase and and we will see that it's it's, you know, the emperor's new clothes kind of thing. Well, let, let me give you another quick quote here. <laughs> yeah. It sure seems like AI will accelerate or even automate the composition of elevator music, the production of color-popping celebratory portraiture, the screenwriting of multiverse coming-of-age quests. If so, well, as Cher Horowitz's father says in Clueless, I doubt anyone would miss you. There are already outputs of artificial intelligence in every way that matters, and if what you write or paint has no more profundity or humanity than a server farm's creations, then surely you deserve your obsolescence. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right, here's the next one. Oh, oh if our, if you our, know I love that. <laughs> if our culture has grown static, then we might as well call our disassembling chatbots and insta-kitch images engines what they are, mirrors of our diminished expectations. To make something count, you're going to have to do more than just rearrange precedent images and words like any old robot. You're going to have to put your back into it, and your back and maybe your soul. Oh, yeah. I thought this was right up our alley. Effort as currency. Yeah. Experience. Effort as currency. Lived experience yeah. as expression. Yeah. That's, 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 that's it. That's it. Yeah. Now. That's it. How do you make something that is different than what has been made before? I mean, you, you know, you and I. It's not going to be different. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And maybe you've got you know, to grind for 20 years before you find the three bolts I mean, of color that ends up being the thing. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at all of these, look at all of these people on this, on this, on this list, this list of however, how many, how many paintings are on this list? 10. Yep. Okay. On some level. It's, it's a top 10 list, Jeffrey. Yes. It's a top, right. Oh, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Is that what it's called? No, it says the most expensive horse. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> That's why there are 10. You're like, how many on this top 10 list of... <laughs> How many records should I put on my top five Clarence, for the am I year? supposed to go to the bathroom now? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. 
chances are, and not because you wear a silly grin, <laughs> chances are that, that, that if you are an artist, somebody could make a case that your work resembles on some level one or more of the people on this list. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and you could probably make the same argument about anyone on this list and, and their contemporaries or sure. their predecessors. Sure. We, we are all so inspired and, and so informed by what is around us or what's come before us. Yeah, we are individuals as part of a species. It's the species that has a thing. Yes. So, so quit worrying about whether it looks like so-and-so. If, if you're consciously trying to copy Kandinsky, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you're, if you're, if you're creating or if you're trying to, you know, if you're, if you're trying to copy Avedon, that's one thing, you know, there, when we, a perfect example, perfect example, Bill and I were, were walking through the Lang exhibit. Wait, who's this Bill? And, what, who are you walking with? <laughs> I never heard of this man. Go ahead. William. Uh, and there, there is one particular picture in the Lang exhibit. It's three Cowboys, caballeros. Uh, I, I'm assuming they were Mexican. They were s some Latino background. Three of them against a stark white background. Do you think for a moment Dorothea Lang went, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. It's going to look like Avedon. No. Of right. course not. Well, because you were before Avedon, but yes. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. There, yeah. there was no like, this is just how I see this. Yes. This is this is just me doing or or do you think that Abaddon said, oh, I'm going to do this. So it looks like Lang. Yeah. No. Pe people have photographed people on white a long time before Abaddon did it. So, yes. Yeah. It, and it just, you know, and I've painted people on solid backgrounds before people in yes. photography. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think the 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 important thing is, is that we let our lived experiences guide our efforts in making art. That's it. I'm getting a little weepy. No, that, no, <laughs> that, 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 no, that you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm looking at this Richard Diebenkorn painting in here. Oh, I love Diebenkorn. He's in my top five easily. Yeah. I know people who have Diebenkorns in their house. And it kind of makes really? Yeah. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I know people, I, I, apparently I know people. He's interesting because he only sold a, f a very small fraction of the work. Most of the work still resides with the family. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Because no one wanted it or he didn't want to sell it? He didn't want to sell it. Well, that happens. Um, yeah, Diebenkorn is, is one of those painters whose work I look at and I think there are a lot of people who want to do something this, and I, I don't mean simple as a derogatory thing, but just like this geometric and angular and simple oh, blocks yeah. of color and stuff. Yeah. And it does not work. It's a rare I, person who can make it work. I am one of those people. I have tried to rip him off. I have tried, uh, sorry, sorry. I have tried to be inspired by him. <laughs> no, no, no. You were trying to rip him off. It's no, okay. I totally was. I totally was. Yeah. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work. There, there is something. It, it, and that's the thing. I, I think we, we sometimes have this assumption that, if we just try to rip someone off, of course it's going to look like them because I'm me and I'm wonderful, like whatever it is. But it's not that easy. No. It really is not. You know, I've tried to do my version of of Twombly and my version of Rauschenberg and my version of Diebenkorn. And it just, it, 
This is what, sound... what you end up with is your version of Jeffrey Sidoris. Yeah, it just looks like me. I mean, it still does. Nobody would look at it and go, oh, well, he's he's channeling Diebenkorn. I cut you off. Nobody. What were you going to say before? I? No, that's out? exactly pretty much exactly what I was going to say. It's okay. just it just comes out as me because, of course, it does. Yeah, because well, why I'm would it come out it any through. different? Yes, I'm passing it through me and my sensitivity and my experience and my, you know, whatever process of course it is yesterday when we were going through the cemetery uh we went up to the diner had some breakfast and bumped into our friend terrence and hi terrence i think he listens uh terrence came with us to the cemetery and uh and i had i brought my i was like you know what new year's day grabbing the pentax sling it over my shoulder walk out the door uh we go up in the cemetery and uh he and Conrad were standing by a grave and like looking away from me. And it was really, and they were sort of backlit from my perspective. And it was kind of a cool shot. I was like, just wait, don't just stay where you are. And I pull up the camera and I'm like, wake up, wake up. Oh crap. I charged the battery battery the night before and I forgot to put it back in the camera. (laughs) I I just, it was one of those things where it's, I honestly, and this is not, like a weird humble brag, but I do charge that battery so rarely because it lasts so long. Right. That I just forgot that I had put it in the that's charger. That's funny. Oh my God, that's funny. And if I was going to a real shoot, I would have turned it on to make sure, you know, it lights up and that there's room on the card and whatever it is before I left. I just didn't think of it. I just grabbed it for before breakfast. And You had one job. <laughs> you have one job, Wadman. <laughs> hey, I can't let you go without asking how to go with Perry. Uh, Actually, it didn't go with Perry, but Perry's coming over in three hours, two hours. Ah, right on. So uh, we will find out. Uh, uh, Perry had to had to had to move it, so we uh, we moved it to today. So uh, right, good. Perry's good. coming. Over. We're going to take some cool pictures of him, hopefully. Good. And uh, hopefully, I'll be able to uh, play with the Fuji in the process. Uh, and, and for those of you, I'm going to back up for just one sec. For those of you who who are not familiar with uh, Diebenkorn's work, uh, Google Diebenkorn Ocean Park. That okay. series of paintings, those were the ones I was trying to be influenced by. Uh, those are those are my favorite of his of his work. Um, Ocean Park is this is the name of the series. There was a really great Diebenkorn. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, there was a really great Diebenkorn show at SF MoMA years ago when we were there in 2017, maybe. We just happened to walk into it. Mm. And uh, there was a big horizontal painting as like the opening image in the show. And I go look at the label and it was on loan from a woman I know as mother's house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, it's funny. But you know what? That's that's the way the cookie crumbles. I uh, I did some work for uh, a woman who's a, a very well-known furniture designer um, in Los Angeles. And she's got a couple original Cy Twombly's in her townhouses. Sure she's she like, does. Wow. Of course she does. Wow. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you were I mean, around they, I at that time. and somewhere, knew- right? Yeah, and they didn't cost forty million dollars back then. Right, they cost the equivalent of thirty thousand dollars, which is still a crazy amount of money. But it's amount of money that you might actually have. You know, I've even—I mean, not that we have any money, but I've talked to Heather and I. Like we've talked before about like, oh, maybe we should buy actual art occasionally. Right. 
you know, because who knows, it might be a, it might be a good hedge investment, you know, and have something well, cool I on mean, the walls. Statistically, it, it, it has it is one of the investments that has steadily gone up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not that we can afford anything, but I'm kicking myself that while he was alive, I didn't buy a saw lighter print. Mm. I mean, I could buy one now, but it costs a lot more. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to spend $5,000 on one. I would have spent $1,500 on one. Right. You know, whatever they were at the time. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. Deep and Corn Ocean Park. I'll, I'll find a, uh, if you could find a good link to that whole, a whole set of them. Oh, here. Uh, Ocean you know Park, Gentle under- Portraits of Can- uh, California Light is an NPR Oh, there's an NPR article yeah, on it from 2012, um, which uh, I'll put in here. Um, Beautiful. Hey, I got a photographer of the week for us. Yep. Um, This is a New York Times obituary. Uh, Peter, I want to get the last name right because it's really hard. Uh, Magubane? Magubane? Uh, uh, Peter Magubane, I think is what it is. Uh, he's, he was a South African apartheid photographer, was Mandela's photographer for years. Um, spent 568 days in solitary confinement for, you know, taking pictures basically, uh, died at 91 years old. And, uh, he famously in, in one of his things talks about how at the time that he was taking a lot of his pictures, it was illegal to photograph, right? Because these people were trying to keep a lot of this terrible racist apartheid nonsense out of the press because it would just drum Mm. up resistance and all the rest of it. And so he hid a camera, a Leica three in a loaf of bread and would take pictures while acting like he was eating the loaf of bread. So if somebody looks at him, he could just like turn it over and like act like he's eating the loaf of bread and then turn it back over and take pictures. Oh, wow. And that he did that kind of stuff all the time in order to like sneak pictures in places where he wasn't allowed to take pictures. Um, and, and I just, I mean, his, his work has all of the sort of feel that you would think that it would have, right. You know, wow, terrible yeah. things of beaten dead people and babies yeah, yeah, being yeah, sad yeah, and like yeah. all, all of the stuff that you would imagine uh, uh, racist, terrible nonsense that the world does to each other. It's just awful. Um, but one of the really interesting, um, the things that I wanted to bring up about it is that, you know, you and I, and so many of the people in the sort of quote unquote modern free world, I think that sometimes we forget power that an image can have and how scary it can be to those who don't want you to take it. Right. You know? Right. And I mean, we take for granted the fact that I can walk outside with my camera right now and take pictures of just about anything. Um, and so, I don't know, be aware of that privilege sometimes because right. there are a lot of places where that is not an option because the powers that be don't want you to take pictures of that thing. I don't know. Uh, his work is really great. There's a, there's a, there's a video. Uh, I just pasted Mag- a couple Magubane is the name, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need a link? No, I just pasted a couple links. Oh, into oh our, okay. Okay. Thank into you. Into our super secret. Oh yeah. 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 Thing. Oh yeah. That, that short film there shows him with the, with the camera and the bread. Yeah. With the bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And he, uh, uh, yeah, he, I hit, I hit a, my camera in a hollowed out Bible firing with a cable release in my pocket. Another time in a trial, uh, from which the press were banned, I hid my Leica 3G in a hollowed out loaf of bread and pretended to eat it while I was actually shooting pictures. When the bread went down, I bought milk and hid the camera in the carton and got away with it. Uh, you had to think fast in those days to survive. You had to think fast. You had to be fast to survive in those days. Um, he, he later recalled, uh, I'd never seen so many dead people at, at, a, a Sharpsville, uh, yeah, at, at Mandela's trial in 1964, his editor wanted to know why he had not taken any close-ups. Uh, uh, Magubane said, uh, decided I was not going to get emotionally involved or at least not until after I had done my work. He said, so, I mean, this guy had, was around and, and, yeah. and imprisoned and beaten and all the things you can imagine for taking pictures. So, um, he was uh, a few days before his 92nd birthday. So the man lived a long life, uh, was given, I think six honorary doctorates. Um, and you know, on post office, uh, you know, on stamps and all that kind of traditional well done kind of guy stuff. Wow. Um, and good choice. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you can get, uh, bogged down by like the sad photojournalism, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I tend to shy away from it because I am well aware that there are terrible things in the world and have been for the 150 years that photography has been around. And there's lots of pictures that I can see that I can't unsee, um, that I have no control over. Uh, these terrible things that are happening. So I tend to sort of often look away or get frustrated by the indifference that the world shows the terrible things that are happening in the world. Um, But I think sometimes it needs to be reminded, especially upon the death of one of these people Mm -hmm. that there were these people who literally put their lives on the line so we could see things and used cameras to do it. Right, right, right. By the way, so we could see things in many cases that, that, didn't you know, the powers that be didn't want us to see. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah in 1954, yeah, yeah. he read a copy of drum, a magazine known for reporting of urban blacks and the effects of apartheid. They were dealing with social issues that affected black people in South Africa. He said, I wanted to be part of that magazine. He started employment at drum as a driver. After six months of odd jobs, he was given a photography assignment under the mentorship of Jürgen Schladenberg, the chief photographer. He borrowed a camera and covered the 1955 ANC convention. Quote, I went back to the office with the good results and I never looked back. Mm. And so, uh, I don't know. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, I, I, I applaud the man. Uh, uh, I hope he, uh, hope he finds himself in a better place. Um, uh, you got anything else, uh, before we wrap up? No, I think this is a good one. This is a good one to wrap up on. This is a good, uh, good episode, I think. Yeah. We Welcome some... to 2024. <laughs> what is this? Finally, uh... a, good, a good episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, the whole, this whole year, we haven't had one good episode. Finally, we one. get one good episode. Jesus. Uh, yeah, what is it? 354? Yeah, no. this was 354. 354. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. By the way, Alan Bailward sent me an email, which I need to reply to. And he was like, I couldn't find how to write you guys. Alan, you don't <laughs> listen to the end of the show because we say podcast at ontakingpictures every time. Uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 929-390-1916. Oh, 
And uh, we love those. Hey, how about we do maybe a few Q's and A's next week if people want sure. to write in some yeah, questions? Yeah, sure. If you want to write in some questions, yeah, we always love doing I love having those. one or two of those per episode. Yeah. I think it's kind of fun. So yeah. send in any questions you have or thoughts you have on what we say and how much nonsense we're spewing and exactly. how much you disagree with us. By the exactly. way, I want one last thing. Uh, congratulations to Millie for uh, retiring right. and doing photography full time. That's I think, awesome. I think that's fantastic. So, you know, it's always nice when people get to do what they do, especially old friends of ours from the show. Yeah. Um, so congratulations, Millie. Uh, and that is it for today. We yeah. will. Wait, uh, at Bill what? Wadman, at Jeffrey Sidoris. You oh, forgot yeah, that. on the Instas. Forgot that, that. On the Instas. Yeah, because we're not using anything else anymore. Should I go into the the threads? I started using threads. I did one post on threads and, and several people responded to it, which is nice because that's what I'm doing this for is, is connection and, and, sure. and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. You're leaning into threads. Shot. You're not leaning into the Mastodon. No, okay. no, no. I figure, you know, I'm, I'm already on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Threads is just kind of verbal Instagram. It's same company, basic, you know, it's all the same stuff. Yep. So I don't have to start something new. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm going to see how it goes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll join you over there. I mean, I have, I have an account. I just, there was something at the beginning that you had to give crazy rights to the app, like to your health data for it to be on your phone or some nonsense. I wonder if that's still yeah, true. I, didn't, I don't, I, well, and you couldn't, in the, in the beginning, you couldn't delete an account without deleting, you couldn't delete your threads account without it also deleting your Instagram account, which I think yes. has been rectified. Yes. Okay. Okay. I just want to know if it's uh yeah, you can deactivate it, but apparently you couldn't delete it. But I, I, I'm, I'm under, I'm, I'm under the impression that that has been fixed. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Podcast it on taking pictures. Right, well, maybe, maybe Alan. We'll, we'll thread it up. Alan, podcast it on takingpictures.com. We love you, Alan. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Right, we'll see you. Going on and on the way we are for so long. Too many fools, it's plain to see something's wrong. As this way. Say what you want to say I know what you will say will